Starting, ever, starting over is never fun, but it is necessary, especially when we want to do things new and we wanna accomplish anything significant. For all of us, there's moments in lives where we have to start over. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you've gotten out of a bad relationship. Maybe you've been laid off. Maybe you're in the middle of a pandemic. All of these are opportunities in life to start over. As Mike mentioned yesterday, uh, Bruce Hardy and myself had the um, opportunity to speak at an 18-year-old, just graduated from high school. It was his funeral. This family now has to start over and start anew without their son. And so the question is, how do we do that? Because each and every one of us in our lives have moments where we have to start over. C.S. Lewis, the author and theologian, said this, there are far better things ahead than any we leave behind. This next quote and the next two quotes are for all the people in Next Gen watching this morning. Queen Elsa from the movie Frozen said this, and I'll spare you my singing because trust me, you do not want to hear that. But Queen Elsa said this, I'm never going back. The past is in the past. Let it go, let it go. And speaking of Frozen, you have the movie Frozen 2, which my wife and I actually went and saw, a fantastic movie. And in Frozen 2, Princess Anna says this in the song, The Next Right Thing. She says, so I'll walk through this night, stumbling blindly toward the light, and do the next right thing. And with it done, what comes then? when it's clear that everything will never be the same again, then I'll make the choice to hear that voice and do the next right thing. This morning, we are starting a series we're calling Redefining Normal. And as a church, as Christians, as believers in Christ, in the midst of this pandemic called COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever you call it, we have the opportunity to redefine what normal is for us. Because of the pandemic, along with issues of race and social justice, we have the opportunity not just to redefine normal, but now to start over. We have the opportunity starting today, starting this morning, to move forward. And so my question to you this morning is simply this. What keeps you moving? What helps you keep on keeping on? How do we move as believers from where we are to where God wants us to be? How do we do, as Princess Anna said, do the next right thing? And this morning, I wanna give you three truths that will help us all move forward. Truths that will cause us to move forward as we start over and redefine normal. But before we dive into these truths, I first need to give you some context to where we are in scripture this morning. Today we're gonna to be in Joshua chapter one and Joshua was found in the Old Testament. Joshua was the sixth book of the Bible, the first five books of the Old Testament we call the Pentateuch. You have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and then we find Joshua. So if you have your Bible open with me, you can go ahead and turn there now. Or if you're watching online, you can also go on our website. There's a, a little tab called Bible. You can click there and follow along as well. 
But you see, right before Joshua 1, we have this history of Israel and really this history of a main character of Moses. So God uses Moses to free Israel, his people, from Egypt. And he then has them leading them towards the promised land. However, the people of God in this moment, they continue to go against God and go against his word. And so God vows that not a single person from the generation of Moses would enter the promised land. And so what does God do? God sends two million people on the longest funeral march in all of history. For 40 years, they wander in the wilderness until all of the two million of the generation of Moses dies. And I imagine uh, Joshua, the person we're talking about this morning, and his colleague Caleb, I imagine that they're just hanging out maybe once a week for morning coffee, and this is how the conversation goes. Caleb looks at Joshua, or Joshua at Caleb, and simply says, hey, so how many did you bury this week? Did you hit the over-under on, on how many were gonna die? And now if you were smart and you were part of the younger generation, you were either one, starting a funeral home business, or number two, you were buying stock in one because business was booming at this time. And so as one generation is dying off, you have this new generation of Israel, of God's people, who are about to undertake a great enterprise as they enter the land of Canaan. This land had been promised for centuries. Now the time has come for the nation of God to redefine their normal and to start over and to move forward. And this leads us where we are today and it leads us to our first truth this morning. And our first truth is this, that God provides his promise. We're gonna look in the first four verses and we're gonna see just how God provides his promise for Joshua. So if you would um, read with me Joshua chapter one, verses one through four. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving them to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I have promised Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Right before Joshua chapter one, I said is the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 34, you can go and you can read about the death of Moses. And in these first two verses, we hear twice the fact that Moses is dead. So this is an important transition period for the life of Israel, God's people. Again, Moses led the people for 40 years. He led them out of slavery from Egypt. He led them to Mount Sinai. Moses led them into a relationship with Jehovah, our Lord. He led them in the desert. He led them when they prepared to enter the land of Canaan. He led them when they rebelled and refused to trust God. And then he led them for 40 years as they wandered through the wilderness. But now Moses is dead. And for 40 years, Joshua was Moses' personal assistant. He was Moses' military advisor. Joshua was really good at his job. 
But now the Lord had a new job, a new normal, an opportunity for Joshua to start over and step into and move forward for this new normal. And look what God does to give Joshua this confidence to move forward. He provides Joshua with a reminder of the promise he has made. You see, the promises of God, they do not change just because someone dies or a situation changes. The promises of God do not change in the middle of a pandemic. The promises of God do not change in the middle of racial and social injustice and turmoil. When God has work to do, he will either find or make instruments to do that work. Moses, the servant, was dead. But God, the master, God, the promise maker, the promise keeper, was not. He lives forever. His promises and his work continues forever. In verse three, look at what God said. He told Joshua that every place he went, every place the sole of his foot landed on would be land that the Lord had given him. God tells Joshua, to the land I have given you. This I have given you is written in the past tense. And what it does, it expresses the absolute certainty of future obedience. You see, Joshua knew that if he was going to make it through this next chapter of his life, if he was going to move forward and step into this new normal, it was not going to be because of who Joshua was. It wasn't going to be because anything he could do, but it was all about what God promised he would do. Think back to the account of the 12 spies, something Joshua is famous for. You see, Moses sent 12 spies in the land of Canaan, into the promised land, to kind of search it out for the people. And when you read that account, you, you know that only Joshua and Caleb came back with good reports. But I want you to notice what the other 10 spies said. They come back to the people of Israel and they say, the land is just as God had promised, but. You see, the, the 10 spies, they never denied the promises of God. They simply did not believe they could claim the promises of God. Why do we so often fail to obey God's commands? It's because we do not believe in his promises. The truth is that the promises of God, they give us confidence and they fuel our ability to obey. How can you get confidence to move forward, to redefine your new normal, to start over? That confidence comes from the promise of God. The promise that he will never leave us, never forsake us. That he has a plan for us, that he'll work all things for together for our good. That's how we move forward. The promises of God inspire us to move forward. Joshua could accept this new challenge because he recognized God's promise to him. Essentially here, God says to Joshua, look, if you accept my challenge, I'll commit myself to you. And this leads us to our second truth this morning. And here is the second truth, that God provides his presence. So first we have that God provides his promises. Now we are gonna see that God provides his presence. Look at verses five and six in Joshua chapter one. Verse five says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. 
just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Now talk about a confidence booster here. Like God tells Joshua that for as long as Joshua lives, not a single person will ever be able to stand against him. As we look at these verses, we see that the source of courage and the source of confidence is not found in Joshua. The source of courage and confidence is found in this phrase we see in verse five when the Lord says, I will be with you and I will not leave you or forsake you. The Lord tells Joshua to be strong and courageous. Why? Because God is with him. He reminded Joshua that no one would be able to stand against him. Not because of his power, not because of the power of the people of Israel, but because of the power of God's presence. You see, confidence doesn't come from looking on what's inside of us. Confidence comes from looking at the one beside us. As Mike mentioned, my wife Savannah and I are expecting our first child, our son, in just about a month. And as I began to begin to process of the fact that I'm gonna be a dad, which probably terrifies some of you watching right now, I began to think about my dad and what he did when I was growing up, thinking about how those moments in life where my dad would challenge me to do something new, whether that was ride a bike for the first time with no training wheels or jump off the big bad diving board. You see, when I did those things, it wasn't because I had the courage to do it. I did those things because my dad was next to me telling me, hey, I'm right here to catch you. Or right here to say, hey, I'm here when you jump, I'm going to catch you. And that's what God essentially was doing for Israel and for Joshua in this moment, was saying, look, you can't do this on your own, but I'm right here to catch you when you fall. Have confidence in me, your father, not in who you are. Have confidence in my strength because I've never left you and I've always been there for you. This is the type of courage that the Lord was instilling in Joshua and instilling in the people of Israel. Now think about what Joshua was facing in this moment. The innumerable people groups occupying the land. Those people's wealth, their security, their advanced technology, their advanced war machines. Remember, Israel had been wandering in the desert for 40 years. Israel didn't have a lot of wealth. They didn't have advanced weaponry. They were a wandering people. So no one would have really looked at Joshua and been too disappointed if he began to think that the Lord was putting him on Mission Impossible. But with the promises of God and the presence of God with him at all times, Joshua was more than fully equipped to accomplish God's purpose. Because Joshua knew the promises and the presence of God that equip us for his purpose. If you want to be equipped for the work of the Lord, we have to trust in his promises and believe his presence is with us at all times. Joshua knew as he moved forward into his new normal that there was nothing he had to question. And specifically, there was one thing he never had to question. He never questioned whether or not the Lord was with him. And neither should we. Why? Listen to this truth. It's because the Lord is more committed to his people than we can ever be to him. 
The Lord is more committed to me than I could ever be to him. The Lord is more committed to you watching online than we can ever be to him. And what a great comfort and truth that is. Knowing that even when our faith fails, his never does. And we have the confidence in that and we can step into that because the Lord will never leave us and he'll never forsake us. You see, the Lord was faithful to whatever generation of Abraham's descendants he was dealing with. Jesus, while speaking to disciples in Matthew verses 28, or chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, said this. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God's presence was not just promised to a particular people or particular generation, but to every single generation of faithful believers. Just as God promised to be with Joshua during a time of transition, a time of starting over, God is with us right now as we look to redefining our normal as a church. As we look to coming back together as a gathered physical body, the Lord is with us and promises to be with us each and every day. And notice the instructions in Matthew 28. Jesus, who says he has all authority, and with all authority tells us to go and reach the nations with the gospel, and then he says he will be with us. You see, if you really want to be with Jesus and Jesus with you, then the best place to be for you is in the middle of the will of Jesus. And now what is God's will for our lives? To glorify him. How do we glorify him? We do his work. And where do we get the courage and the confidence to do his work? It's through trusting in his promises and then leaning into his presence. So God provides us with his promise. And he provides us with his presence. And when it comes to redefining normal and moving forward in the midst of a restart, we also have a role to play. You and I, church, everyone watching right now, we have something to do. And the third truth to help us move forward is this, that we provide our passion. God provides his promises, God provides his presence, but we must provide our passion. Look at verses seven through nine. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it from the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And in one of the most famous verses of scripture, verse nine, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The constant things in life are the promises and the presence of God. The only variable in the equation is the passion of God's people. And how do we provide and how do we express our passion? We do that by meditating on the word of God. 
Over half the words in, the ver- in verses seven through nine are devoted and dedicated to the concept and the idea of keeping the law. Now you may be asking, what is the book of law? The book of the law is a place where you read about the promises of God. The book of the law was the Bible that Joshua knew. Jesus had the entire Old Testament and us now as New Testament believers, we have the entire canon of scripture. We have the entire Bible. And in order for us to move forward and claim the promises of God, we must start our days with the word of God. I want you you to listen to this. Starting your day by hearing from CNN or Fox News or whatever your news source of choice may be is never going to help you move forward and claim the promises of God. It's not going to happen. Claiming the promises of God and recognizing the presence of God flows out of our passion for God and our passion for God is revealed in our participation in the work of God. The work of God is based on the promises of God and you can't serve God without claiming the promises of God and you can't know the promises of God without reading the promises of God. We have to have a passion for the word of God. We must read, not just read it, but we also must know and meditate on the word of God. You see, God knew that trusting his promises and trusting in his presence would be enough to get Joshua started. It'd be enough to get Joshua out of bed, but he also knew Joshua had to be sustained each and every day. God knew that Joshua's courage and his strength, his ability to move forward was directly connected to the time Joshua spent in the word of God. There is a direct correlation spiritually between your passion for God's word and your strength. God told Joshua in order to move forward that he had to meditate on the word day and night. That means there was never a moment for Joshua that when he had to make a decision that the word of God was not in the driver's seat. For Joshua and the people of Israel, this was not to be a weekend religion. In the student world, we often tell our students, this is not a Sunday morning, Wednesday night religion. This is an every single day, 24-7, 365 religion. This is your life that you have devoted yourself to. For Joshua and for us, the word of God has to become background noise in our life. And when trials come, all we have to do is simply turn up the volume. But then also notice how Joshua is instructed to do everything that is written in the book of law. You see, church, we cannot treat scripture like a buffet line where we walk through it and just pick and choose what we like and what we don't like. We can't pick and choose what we like to obey or ignore, what we want to emphasize and de-emphasize. The word of God, all of it is inerrant, meaning it is without error. There are no faults in it. It is 100% truth, and we must believe and act on all of it. We can't ignore scripture. And so many of us, when it comes to spending time in God's word and spending time with the Lord or doing the Lord's work, we tend to make excuses about how busy we are. If there's ever a person who was busy, it was Joshua. All of a sudden, he is now having to lead a nation into a new land, into a new normal. Not a single one of us listening right now is leading an entire nation into a new land. Whatever the affairs of this world that are going on and impacting us, 
we must not neglect the very one thing that is necessary. And that is providing our passion for the word of God. See, one of the worst things that the um, Apple's ever done with the iPhone is build in the thing that tells us how much time we've spent on our phone. And for me, it's really unfortunate because every time my watch tells me my average screen time for the week, it's always Sunday morning about 9.20 in the middle of worship. It's the Lord basically saying, hey, Riley, look, you spent five hours and 21 minutes on your phone on average a day this week. You should probably refocus and more time with me. And you may be like, man, that sounds like a lot, but I encourage you to go look at yours and look at your students. It may be more. But I want you to think about your own life. What do you spend more time focusing on? You see, the truth is this. Our priorities reveal our passions. Like, are you more passionate about a political party or about an organization or a cause than you are the word of God? If so, something needs to change. Change in our world will not come through constant debates on social media or simply sharing a post. Change will not come when you're always trying to make a point or always trying to be right. Change will not come when you listen to media outlets more than you listen to the word of God. You see, maybe if our president and other political leaders would spend more time in the one thing that can change a man's heart, the word of God, then we would not be where we are today in our culture. Because the truth of the matter is that change flows from the people of God doing the work of God according to the word of God. I just want to read that again. Change flows from the people of God doing the work of God according to the word of God. We must provide a passion for the word of God, the work of God, and the people of God. In the midst of all of the confusion and debate about how the church is to respond and um, address the challenges of today, notice how no one is talking about the centrality of daily disciplined and detailed obedience to all the Lord has written in his word. We like to talk about our personal preference or our personal position, yet we neglect talking about our personal savior. We have to have a passion for the word of God. How do we as believers, as a church, handle issues of racial injustice? Through our passion for the word of God. How do we address police reform? Through our passion for the word of God. How do we address abortion issues? Through our passion for the word of God. How do we address any and all issues in life? Through our passion for the word of God. Through our passion for the word of God, for the work of God, and the people of God. So often when we are going through the biggest transition and changes in life, we do the opposite of what we should do. We run into the danger of looking back. Instead of looking forward, we look back into what um, used to be normal. Church, we may be looking back. Remember what church was like? No, we need to look forward and go, man, let's imagine what church can be in the future. Let's imagine the impact we can have as we move forward, as we define a new normal as a church. So often when things are hard, we try to get by on our own strength instead of taking the time to fill ourselves with insight from God's word and receiving the courage and strength that comes from him. Three times the Lord tells Joshua to be strong and courageous. 
Each time, strength and courage flows out of God's promises, his presence, and our passion. And now God does not have a speech impediment, so when he repeats himself, he does it on purpose. It's for a reason. The key to moving forward in the midst of a new normal is God's promises, his presence, and our passion. All three are needed. Joshua would not move forward because he obeyed God's instructions. He moved forward because God was with him and enabled him to obey. We as a church, we as believers do not move forward because we obey the Lord. We move forward because the Lord is with us and enables us to obey. Our courage is directly related to the promises of God, the presence of God, and our passion for God. Because courage rises when we have confidence in the promises and presence of God. You want courage to rise up in you in the midst of this culture we're in, then we have to have confidence in the promises and the presence of God. And that is revealed in our passion for God and his word. So my question for you is, do you have confidence in the promises and presence of God? Do you have a passion for God? If your answer to this question is yes, then you're on your way to success in the eyes of the Lord. So I want to give you a little math equation here, and it's simply this. God's promises plus his presence plus our passion equals spiritual success and prosperity. And notice I said spiritual success and prosperity. Because our wealth is not measured in things of the world. Our wealth is measured in things of the kingdom of God and the work we do for the Lord. Our wealth will be measured in the number of crowns and jewels the Lord gives us when we one day go to heaven and he looks at us and says, well done, good and faithful servant. I wanna read again verses eight and nine from Joshua chapter one. And they say this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the charge and the promise the Lord gave to Joshua in order for him to move forward into this new normal he had prepared for him and the people of Israel. And this promise is the same promise and charge that he gives you and I today. The three truths I gave you today, they are the keys to us moving forward and redefining normal as believers and as a church. Because God's promises, they never change and they never go away. God's promises are perfect. God's presence is the same today as it was yesterday, as it was the day of creation. God's presence is the same in this building here at church as is in your living room, as is in your workplace, in your schools, God's presence is the same in all places at all times for all of eternity. And the greatest promise that God made to us is found in the person and the life and the work of Jesus. In Jesus, God promises life for all those that believe and trust in him. Romans chapter 10, verse nine says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will 
be saved. God promises that if we confess our sins, if we admit that we are in need of a savior and believe in who Jesus is, believe in his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, then we will have life eternal. Then we get to redefine the new normal in our life and start over as believers in Christ who were once dead and now are alive. God literally provided us with his presence in the form of himself in the flesh of Jesus so that we could have his presence so that we could claim his promises for our lives. And once we believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the only thing the Lord asks of us is that we provide our passion for him. Provide passion for him, for his word, and for his work. So how do we refine our new normal? How do we start over and move forward? We believe and trust in God's promises. We believe and trust in God's presence. And then you and I, we provide our passion for the word of God and for the work of God. If we want to be beacons of hope and beacons of change in our community, then these are the things we must do. We must dedicate ourselves to the Lord and to his work, not for our glory, but for his glory. And if you're watching right now online and, and you've been listening and going, Riley, I've never really understood the promises of God. I've never really sensed his presence in my life. I don't have a passion for God. But I would like to, as I just mentioned, that the greatest promise God ever made was the promise through his son Jesus when he came present on this earth in the flesh to die for you and me. And if you wanna claim the promises of God right now, if you want the presence of God to overflow in your life, to come down upon you, the presence of God to fill your heart, then would you simply pray a prayer like this in your heart? Just pray something like this. Dear Lord, right now I admit that I am without your presence in my life. I know that I cannot claim your promises for me. I admit that I am a sinner, that I have done wrong in my life. And Lord, right now I confess those sins to you. And as I want to start over and redefine normal for my life, God, I want you to define it for me. Therefore, I'm asking you to come into my life as my Lord and Savior. I believe you sent Jesus to die on a cross for my sins. I believe he died and was buried and rose again on the third day, conquering death, conquering sin, and is now alive, seated with you in heaven. Lord, I ask that you would come into my heart, come into my life. I believe in you and help me and the best way I know how each and every day provide you with my passion and my love.
If you just prayed that prayer or something like that, if you just accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the first time, if you're watching online, you can let us know in the comments or you can click the button saying, I today I pray to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. Or you can also text this number here on the screen. You can text Yes Jesus to 31996. You can also go to crosspointchurch.com slash decision. And please, when you, when you text that number or fill that out, you're gonna get a form sent to you. We would love and encourage you to fill that form out so we can help you along your journey. So we as a church can help you redefine this new normal and move forward. Maybe you're watching, you've already accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you've never been baptized. And you'd like to do that in the future as, as we gather as a body once again here soon. Somebody let us know in the comments or text that number and let us know that you want to be baptized. If you have prayer requests, you can let us know in the chat as well. And church, for the rest of us, those of us that know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, I urge you, let's believe in God's promises. Let's step forward with him in his presence. Let's provide him with our passion. Because again, a change comes from the people of God doing the work of God according to the word of God. Let's be known in our community as a church, a body of believers, as a, as a group of people that provides hope and that provides change, not according to the way the culture defines it, but provides change according to the kingdom and the word of God. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. And we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the fact that you have provided us with promises, even all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And that your presence has been on this earth even before the earth was created. And thank you for dying for us so that we could then provide our passion for you. And I pray for everyone watching online. I pray for myself, God, that we would believe your promises. That we would believe that you are right here beside us each and every day, amongst us each and every day. And that, God, our response to that will be providing a passion for you. So that we can live for you. and Be a beacon of hope and a beacon of change. Thank you for the opportunity to open up your word to worship you through song, worship you through giving. Thank you for everyone watching online and everyone who works behind the scenes to make this happen each and every week. But God, we look forward to the day where we get to gather once again here physically as you've intended it to be and lift your name high together corporately like we never have before. God, thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray.